Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Julie Tyler, ODFAAO. Dr. Tyler is a professor at uh, Nova Southeastern University College of Optometry, and you've been teaching for 22 years. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Tyler. Thank you very much. I understand that you have uh, primarily been focused on primary care, but you, you, you've you also sort of expanded your interests recently. Can you tell us a little about that? Sure. Uh, I believe that a primary care optometrist, I really, really enjoy doing that a little bit of everything. Uh, the, the mystery of each patient that walks in the door when primary care, you never know what you're going to get. And that detective work and work and sleuthing that we do as a primary care optometrist is really great and very stimulating. And I love to solve those types of mysteries when we have a sick patient. But in the last few years, I've had an opportunity to work and teach in our anterior segment disease course at the College of Optometry. And so that's really focused some of my interest and more of my information seeking activities, if you will, in the last few years towards anterior segment. So dry eye, thyroid disease, different things. Again, the systemic affecting the anterior segment, both of those conditions very much have that type of impact. So I still work primarily in clinical care in our primary care services, but I'm doing more academic teaching now in that area of anterior segment disease. And as a, um, as a professor, you, you obviously have the ability to, to impact, uh, you know, the, the futures, the directions, the passions of, of the students that you um, come across. How has has that changed? I mean, are you a, a different or better mentor now than you were a decade or two ago? I think that's a really interesting question because certainly the students over the years have changed. And so how we teach and work with and mentor students and residents and junior faculty has changed a lot over the years. So I certainly hope that I'm better in that my knowledge base and experience has expanded a lot. There are certainly, when I first started teaching as a resident and chief resident in those early years in academics, there's a certain camaraderie you have with the students when you're very close in age. And so that's one type of mentoring where it's more of a friend type of position. And you really understand and remember very much what is impacting the students and how that's like to be a student. Mm -hmm. And many of my early students are very good friends of mine that I've maintained relationships with over the years. As time has gone by, I have certainly more information to share with the students, but the role has changed. I find myself being more of a big sister and Perhaps after 22 years of a motherly Mm -hmm. role, Mm -hmm. I try to be supportive, but also fair. And the mentoring has really changed a lot where 
the relationships are different with the students. And obviously we have a different generation of students in millennial type students now. But I also really have enjoyed mentoring junior faculty. And over the years, my husband's also an optometrist, and he and I have had the opportunity to really forge great friendships and mentoring relationships with people that we've taught with and then have kept in touch with over the years and tried to serve in a variety of roles as mentors for optometry, but also to some degree their careers and as friends and support as well in whatever way we can be. And you've recently uh, shown students um, a, a, a new avenue. You've, you've become an active participant with Vosh. Yes. Uh, so in the last, I've gone on the last seven SVOSH missions. So SVOSH is the student arm of Vosh International. And so at NOVA, we have that active group. And my first SVOSH mission was actually back in 2008 in a wonderful experience where I went to Trinidad and have some amazing memories from that trip. It really was amazing. And there was a couple years in between before I had an opportunity to go back again and work with the group. But now I've been on the last seven SVASH missions and the opportunity to mentor students, whether they be first years or fourth years and mentor faculty that haven't done these trips. But now we get to experience these trips. It's not only mentoring as optometrists and how we can serve the community at large and the world community because our mission trips are outside of the country, but also as human beings because working with different cultures and interacting and being in different places, it really puts things into perspective, uh, what we're doing and what kind of impact we can make. And how does that help you in your teaching? I mean, there must obviously be overlap. Absolutely. So we have to very much be creative and troubleshooting when you're on a mission trip. You don't have the luxury of chairs that go up and down and tables that adjust and fancy equipment. So you really have to think about other ways that you can deal with patients. And so I incorporate that many times into the clinic when students get frustrated, if they have a patient that can't perform a specific skill I try to incorporate some of those things we do on SVASH missions uh, during patient care. So one example is something that's old, if you will, in the profession, and that is a direct ophthalmoscope. Or ophthalmoscope. Mm-hmm. And students nowadays, they want to go towards the fanciest equipment that's available, OCTs and photos. And of course, they'll do their 90 and BIO, but sometimes you have patients that can't, for whatever reason, get into a piece of equipment because they're wheelchair bound or they have physical or mental restrictions. And so pulling out the direct ophthalmoscope, we use those on mission trips and it can be really informative. There's great mag, great information. There's a reason it's stuck around forever. It's just that students forget it. Um, We also have to use handheld instruments a lot more on mission trips and students don't have 
a lot of experience with that. So it's a great opportunity when we have students and residents and faculty on the trip to get some more exposure with that. And then I try to incorporate that when necessary in the clinics at home as well. Interesting. How has the the mentoring opportunity during these Esvash trips sort of exhibited itself? So there's many different mentoring types of opportunities. It can be students where we are teaching them skills. Sometimes for the first time, we often run labs before we actually go on the trip so that students who haven't been exposed to all the different things that we try to do during the visits, uh, we can try to teach them those type of skills. So, for example, when we had this year many first years coming, they hadn't done direct ophthalmoscopy, they hadn't handled a handheld slit lamp or performed tonopen on a patient. And so we actually mentor them with specific skills. Sometimes it's mentoring them how to communicate both verbally and non-verbally with patients from another culture. So most often we've been working with patients that are speaking Spanish, but sometimes the patients, for example, when we were in Peru, they spoke their own native dialects when they were coming from the Peruvian mountains. So they were native to that area and had their own language. So in those cases, we sometimes provide them with appropriate ways to communicate with those patients non-verbally. Um, we provide them mentoring and supervision the best that we can, and also some cultural awareness as well. Not only does this apply to the students, who of course need the most mentoring and supervision and guidance along the way, but also junior faculty or faculty that or in a specific department that maybe haven't done skills for a while. So it's it's a really lovely opportunity to work with many different people, and we have to be a team. Interesting. And when you talk about opportunities, it makes me wonder more generally, have you been surprised by the opportunities in academia? That's a really interesting question. I would say in general, no. However, there is a caveat to that. Over the years, there are certain things that you expect. Opportunities, say, to lecture or provide continuing education. Those aren't surprises. But opportunities sometimes to link up and work with people in other areas in an interdisciplinary way or in multi-center types of research opportunities. Those types of things are not things that I thought of when I was going into academics, but I really enjoy and I'm so grateful for to know people in so many different areas. My area is not, for example, pediatrics, but because of the collegial way and because I'm interested in research and doing different things, I work with our pediatric group that does research at NOVA. And so it allows me things to do to reach out of my normal day-to-day -day activities. So those types of things I am surprised at. But the fact that there are multiple ways and areas for growth, that doesn't surprise me. 
is that what drew you to academics? I mean, when you were in, in school, did you already kind of know that you wanted to teach? No, in fact, it's the opposite. So when I was very young, I wanted to be a teacher because, surprise, both my parents were teachers. <laughs> my, my mom taught uh, first and third grade. My dad was a high school physics teacher. And when I was in fourth grade, uh, we had the opportunity in band to teach the new band members certain ways to, say, hold the instrument mm -hmm. and different things. And I, those kids just were crazy and they wouldn't listen to me. And so that was it for me for teaching. I said, I'm not going <laughs> to and um, yeah, around the same time, I went to a summer camp where we dissected a cow's eyeball and I had just gotten contacts and that was it. I said, oh, I want to be an optometrist. So That's I great. actually had plans when I was in school to go into practice with my hometown optometrist who I adore and I still keep in touch with. I worked in her practice every year when I came uh, home from school. And 110% my intention was to go back to practice with her. And then as it happens, I met a boy. And that boy also was an optometrist and he wanted to do a residency. And so we ended up doing residencies in South Florida. And my residency was a primary care residency, but it had a large teaching component. And then I fell in love with teaching. And so it's kind of one of those things where it runs full circle. It is a really wonderful way to practice. And I feel like in a private practice setting or a different type of setting, I might have a lot of patients that would be my family. But I have all of these wonderful students that I've worked with over the years that are spread across the country and across the globe and the opportunities that I've had to do SFOSH and research. Mm -hmm. I am really, really happy with that choice. Do you think that academics is presented enough to students as a career option? Probably not. I know we have fourth year students that have business classes that they go to and they do round tables a lot with different local optometrists and different modes of practice. You know, they'll bring in somebody that works in an ODMD practice. They'll bring in somebody that's in a commercial practice. They'll bring in somebody that is in a multi-doctor practice or a private practice. But I have to say, I don't recall them generally having academicians on those types of panels. Right, right. Uh, I do think it is to residents. When residents, when people make that choice to that extra year and that extra level of commitment mm -hmm. towards learning, I do feel like that is highly encouraged in residents. Right. But in students, I don't think that is something that often comes up. I would just like to really reiterate 
the value of reaching out and community service and whether that be locally or if that be more globally like with SFOSH. Uh, my, my husband, who I mentioned is an optometrist as well, and myself, we've always tried to, when we do academic activities, as far as getting our own continuing education, if we go to a meeting, we've always tried to kind of mix business and pleasure. And we've tried to take these opportunities with Bosch and also learn more about the culture and the peoples that we're going to be seeing. So. We always have a, a fun day associated with that. And sometimes we've extended the trip. And I encourage people to do that, whether it be continuing education or SFOSH missions, that when you go and make yourself a better optometrist, whether that be going to classes and learning or workshops and becoming better at a specific skill or serving the community, to also take an opportunity to become a even better global citizen. So we've had the opportunity to travel in the Amazon jungles in Peru. We just recently on our last mission trip to Ecuador extended the trip by about four days and wow. went to the Galapagos Islands because, you know, <laughs> when else are you going to be that close to them <laughs> when we're doing SFOSH mission in Ecuador? So we really have loved that. And I think it's great if people have the ability to do that, to kind of seize the day and learn more about not just optometry, but also about the world and therefore also yourself. Right. I really think that's great. And I would encourage people to do that. And, and I think optometrists are in such a good position to, you know, your skills um, have such a broad reach that you can put yourself in, in all of these positions and, and be in a very helpful place. Right. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. It can be small. You could be the one OD on a church mission trip that's going to a country and just do vision screenings and try to provide feedback with who may be a benefit. There's things that we take for granted so much in the United States that, for example, over-the-counter readers. If we could just take thousands of over-the-counter readers with us when we went on mission trips, that would be amazing mm -hmm. because we have them very easily accessible, but some people either don't have access to them in other areas or can't afford them. Sunglasses. Oh my gosh, sunglasses. Right. <laughs> I, you know, UV protection it's crazy the amount of things that, that you see when you go on these mission trips. And so my, I guess my point is it doesn't have to be 30 people set up in a church doing VAs, RET, refraction, slit lamp, pressures, blood pressure, where we may be set up. It could be one OD as part of a mission checking vision, checking near and distance vision and providing sunglasses wow. and educating people about the eyes. E even that little bit can be really helpful and make a big impact for somebody. Each year, not only do we have the mission trip that we do with SFOSH, but NOSA, which is the um, National Optometric Association, they have a student association. So each year at NOVA, they go on a Jamaican right. medical mission trip and because we work in an interdisciplinary area, 
Um, there are dentists and pharmacy and optometrists go, so it's almost like a little moving hospital. But again, it doesn't have to be a ton of people on that trip to make an impact or be part of that team. So that's another organization. Um, Fellowship of Christian Optometrists does trips. Um, local churches, local um, communities that may, you know, we have here multiple communities um, living in South Florida that go back to their home countries where they go on a, a small mission, you know, and, and reach out. So whether it be to Haiti or, or other countries. And so there's opportunities. You just kind of got to keep your eyes open for that. And we as optometrists can serve a really practical role in people's trips and, and in their eye care and their health. Dr. Tyler, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.